This morning's message is kind of important. It's, it's a big one. Uh, it's the end of our 10-part series on um, navigating forward. I'm going to give you a quick summary on what we have covered so far so that you can catch up. Uh, we began with, uh, um, the topic is called Navigating Forward. We began in January with this, and we we're looking at the foundations that shape our decisions because some of us were having to make plans. Some had to make plans for um, uh, school change or going to university or college or job change or having to move because circumstances forced it. All these things are going on, and we have to make decisions. How do we, how do we move ahead? Some people are paralyzed and suffering anxiety that is really tough and so uh, these five things we did almost two weeks on each one are really important foundations uh, that i think we need to consider before we make final decisions on things number one attitude of gratitude we begin with contentment uh, we learn from those who've gone before us we talked about that having eyes to see um, check our, our prescription blind spots uh, resolving in advance determining our responses in advance uh, and then uh, last week we started the uh, uh, do not forget who you are, your identity. Let your identity guide you, not shame and guilt, not a pattern of mistakes that uh, could almost paralyze us from moving forward. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to finish up um, don't forget who you are. And I think this is probably the most um, uh, important theme for the church constantly. Like... Uh, while I've known this is an important one, it continues to grow. I'm, I'm even expanding my understanding of what identity even means. So I, I think this is pretty cool. So let's, let's dig into some of this. But this particular, I came across this this week, and I thought this would be helpful. Because sometimes our anxiety might be so high, we m might even question God's love for us. Or where is God in all this? And so I came across this uh, breath prayer. Um, which is kind of cool. It's like if, if anybody has ever done meditation or um, anti-anxiety practices of breathing in and out, this is a, a, a really neat way to do this. Where you breathe in, it says, I receive your love. And then I release my insecurity. I receive your joy. And I release my unhappiness. I receive your peace. I release my anxiety. I receive your patience. I release my impulsiveness. I receive your kindness. I release my indifference. I receive your goodness. I release my ungodliness. I receive your faithfulness. I release my disloyalty. I receive my gentleness. And I release my serenity. Severity? I can't read. Oh, sorry. Sever yes, severity. Because sometimes we take things too seriously. And then I breathe in, I receive your self-control, and I release my self-indulgence. There, there are times where we need to just pause and stop. Sometimes that's hard. Our circumstances may not always give us a lot of time for that. But I thought that was pretty cool. Henry Nowen had a really powerful statement on our identity that I'd like to read for you. Um, Jesus died well because he knew he was going to go to God and he would soon send his spirit of love to his friends and he wrote it is good for you that I leave he said because unless I leave I cannot send my spirit who will lead you by uh, to the full communion to the full truth to the full betrothal and that the Holy Spirit he knew that sorry 
with that Holy Spirit, he knew that his beloved apostles would live better and happier lives. That's going to become a theme a little later as we get going. You'll, we'll come back to that. The vision is not just about Jesus. It's also about you and me. Jesus came to share his identity with you and to tell you that you are the beloved sons and daughters of God. Just for a moment, try to enter this enormous mystery that you, like Jesus, are the beloved daughter or beloved son of God. This is the truth. We are beloved children of God. Furthermore, your belovedness preceded your birth. You were beloved before your father, mother, brother, sister, or church loved you or hurt you. You were loved before that. You are beloved because you belong to God from all eternity. The love, sorry, God loved you before you were born, and God will love you after you die. In Scripture, God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Huh, interesting. Too often we, we, we think that that doesn't actually mean that. We think God's love comes to an end. But it says he's loved us with an everlasting love. This is a very fundamental truth of your identity. This is who you are, whether you feel like it or not. You belong to God from eternity to eternity. Life is just a little opportunity for you during a few years to say, I love you too. Well, I want to share with you a short clip from uh, Baxter Kruger that... um, uh, also follows this up on how our perspectives need to change. And I think it'll make sense when you see this. Why do we recognize people now according to the flesh rather than according to Christ? That's the, the ethic, if you want to put it that way, that we are, we are called to recognize no one according to merely human. There are no just humans. There's only human beings in Jesus, in the Father, in the Spirit. Well, how, how often do we really see that? How often do we look at the idea of our perspective of how we view others actually matters? Well, it does. Because our whole uh, believing our, of, our, our, of our identity affects how we see others as well. 2 Corinthians 5.16. I'm going to read it from a couple of verses because I think this is really important. You'll, uh, you'll see why this is important. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. Hmm. New American Standard Bible says, Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one by the flesh or our our activities or even externals. Even though we have known Christ by the flesh, yet we know him in this way no longer. Hmm. What does that mean? Passion Translation has a great spin on this, including a commentary. You'll like this. I got one more after this. So from now on, we refuse to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one. But no longer do we see him with limited human insight. And the little notes that the Passion Translation had is from man's point of view, Christ was a blasphemer and false teacher, yet... When we see him from the eyes of faith, we see him as the pure and holy one, God's son. Perspective matters. Not just perspective of how we see others, but how we see ourselves. Francois wrote this about in the Mirror Bible. I love this. This is, this is a little deeper, so you got to hear it slower. It's, it's too, too good. Um, this is a radical, sorry, this is radical and our most defining moment. 
no label that could possibly previously identify someone carries any further significance. Even our pet doctrines of Christ are redefined. Whatever we knew about him historically or sentimentally is challenged by this conclusion. Now, that fine print's too hard to read, so it's on the next slide. Here's the commentary on this. By discovering Christ from God's point of view, we discover ourselves and every other human life from God's point of view. Paul sees by revelation that what Jesus redeemed in every person brings absolute closure and death to any other reasoning and judgment we may have had of ourselves or of someone else for that matter. This is our metanoia moment. From now on, therefore, we no longer know anyone according to the flesh, even though we once knew Christ from a human and religious point of view. We cannot forget that. Listen, everybody, you, me, people who don't give a rip, they, they live their lives based on what they believe about themselves. That's why knowing your identity is critical. Um, everyone lives their lives based on what they believe about God. Absolutely. So if you think God is mad at you, you're going to live like he's mad at you. If you think that he loves you unconditionally, that's going to affect your behavior. If you don't believe he exists, you're going to live like it. So again, it, and I think our, when we have a perspective of who God is, it affects a picture of our identity, of who we think we are. Absolutely. Our identity is connected to our genealogy or our DNA, where we come from. And since we're all children of God, as we've heard, oh my goodness, our identity is wrapped up in the essence of who God is. Now, let me lay a couple things here. I don't have time to get into these because I've preached sermons on each one of these points down below. But in summary, there is no separation. We, I think Baxter Kruger is probably one of the best teachers who, who has taught on this whole idea of um, no separation. It's, he calls it as a, it's like the, a, some wood um, blocking a dam of a, of a river and it's like a sequoia tree and, and separation thinking is one of those big pillars that has prevented uh, our, our understanding of the absolute acceptance of God. And so this idea of no separation, there is no separation. In fact, a lot of, uh, a lot of the Bible tracts that I grew up with uh, to do evangelism with, almost every single one begins with, you are separated. Every one of them. It's like, wait a minute. That's one of the biggest lies. We're not separated. Separation is an objective um, um, uh, illusion it, it, it's not true it cannot be true okay and i'll tell you why in a moment um, let's get into this one so there's no separation christ is in us that that can be hard to believe i know believers will say well christ is in me yes colossians 1 here's the secret christ lives in you yes that's good so for believers you got no excuse christ is with you there's no separation good but wait a minute what about unbelievers well, we have talked about the light of Christ shining through all things, through, through humanity. And even if that light, even if they don't perceive that light that's in them, and if that light that's in them is darkness, oh my goodness. But objectively, the light is still there. Subjectively, they don't see it or experience it. So if Christ is in us, we are also in Christ. 
Absolutely. How is that possible? Well, easy. Take a look at our world. This whole idea of Christ holds all things together. This is the, to me, this kind of locked it in for me when I realized that if Christ created everything and he holds all things together, everything, you, me, every object, you name it, wherever um, there is anything, Christ holds it together. Since that is true, and there can't be anything outside of that. And where do we see in Scripture? It says it's in, in, we are in, all of creation is in Christ. So technically everything, everyone, the world, you name it, all the philosophies, everything is in Christ. And in that, God is revealing and unveiling his glory and goodness to each of us. If you've been given a measure of knowledge, a measure of understanding, oh my goodness, thank God for that today. Thank you, God, for showing me that you're actually really good. Thank you for keeping, pulling off those layers of, of darkness or the incompletion or incomplete messaging that I've heard by well-intentioned people. So, again, there's no separation. Christ is in you. You are in Christ, and Christ holds all things together. So this, is, this has to do with our DNA. And if Christ created us, he knows best how we've been designed and how we're supposed to function. Well, it's time to grow in our knowledge. It's time to grow in our knowledge and understanding of where we came from. Well, I came from my mom and dad. Well, that's nice, but you're, you're true you because our bodies is not who we, who we are. We are spirit. That is our essence. And we uh, have a soul, soul, spirit, and we live in this body. And yet in that body, there's a trinity. See that? Body, soul, spirit. And unfortunately, in some grace, grace teaching, uh, and I've, I've heard it taught, whatever, um, we almost dissect it and separate it and create new separations when yet it's a union. Just like we are included in the trinity. We are one with the one who made us one with him. We are one with the Trinity. We are one with Christ, one with the Spirit, one with the Father. We're not the Father. We're not the Son. We're not the Spirit, but we're one with, okay? It's really important we see that. We are, there's a oneness that's not talked about enough. In fact, I think union with Christ is the best kept secret in the Western church. I really do. There's wisdom in following the best advice from the manufacturer. So, um, I was at a uh, place the other day and uh, a remote control went missing for one of the TVs. So I thought, huh, I think I have some extra remote controls. Uh, so I went over and took a picture of the brand. Um, it was an LG TV. I thought, okay, so let's look up a, uh, an LG TV remote and see if I can get the settings so they can have this TV working. Um, but if I were to look up a Samsung or RCA remote control, it won't work. It's not designed by that. I have to actually go to the manual, the LG manual, go to the manufacturer and, and have a conversation about that. I need to do the research of how the designer, how, how the company that made it. It's like a washing machine or a dishwasher. You don't go find a uh, Maytag um, manual for your Bosch dishwasher. You know, I don't understand which companies are connected and all that, but that's not how it works. So if we have been created by Christ, then let's find out what God's word says about how we are designed to function. And there's some really great news in the scriptures about this. This should be super encouraging. And it's not that hard 
People think that it's so hard to follow Jesus. Oh, I try so hard. I'm exhausted. Well, hang on. Then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> We're supposed to be experiencing the rest of Christ. And unfortunately, some people have had the pendulum swing too far and they make it about rest, 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 and I do nothing, 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 which is not the case. We, we learn how to rest from self-sufficiency and rest in Christ's sufficiency so that Christ is the strength, the motivation, the inspiration for all that we're going to do. I love this. So let's resolve to grow. Now, this was tied back to um, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they had resolved in advance uh, to not defile themselves by eating the food from the king's court. So here, let's resolve to grow because we've been designed to grow. How do we know this? Anybody that's had a baby knows you gotta feed the baby and you gotta change the diapers you know and some people they're trying to figure this out if you read the packaging even that's misleading you know it says it holds you know 12 to 15 pounds then you change it or what no kidding but this the whole idea of um uh, we're designed to grow by taking in certain um, nutrients by uh, exercising and there's got to be evidence of growth if there isn't they've got to take you to the hospital because something's wrong lots of basics here that we just don't think about we overthink this and i think in second peter we have got an amazing amazing uh, hope inspired uh pattern uh and encouragement to grow and if we could see this there's going to be much hope for you and i and i think we can end this series with this beautiful beautiful resolve so let me start with this second peter one new living translation i am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have this faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of jesus christ our savior uh, our god and savior we have been given a faith. Do you hear that? Faith has been given. You don't have to go find it. The faith you have right now, that's a gift. You can't muster it up or make it up or add to it or nothing. God does that. It's a pure gift. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. Ooh, hang on. Passion Translation says, May grace and perfect peace cascade over you as you live in the rich knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Folks, I'm going to tell you this flat out. Like this is this is this is like big. The more I have come to see who Jesus is, um, the more I've dug into what does what happened at the cross, how big of a deal was it uh, of this cross thing and him dying and rising again. Uh, my perspective of Jesus has radically changed and grown. Uh, it's gotten bigger and wider, which has led me to a much bigger, better pitch of who God is. You know, uh, I doubt you're going to die and go to heaven and going to say to, to God, oh, I overestimated you. You're not what I expected. <laughs> I don't think that's possibly going to happen. I think you're going to you're going to instead be excited about it being even more there's so much more involved here. So may God may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. It gets better. Here it is. Get ready by 
His divine power, God has given us some of the things we need for living a godly life. Oh, let me read that again. Oh, my glasses. That's not what it says. It says, by his divine power, he's given us everything we need for living a godly life. Huh. You already have it. Maybe that's half the problem. Maybe we think that we're, we're lacking something, therefore we have to ask God for more. So we go to these church services and try and get hyped up and feel emotionally closer to God when he's already close to us. Or we have to get in this hype of, of emotional release or whatever, in which there's nothing wrong with those. But sometimes that can become an addiction. Church can become a serious addiction for people because they get their needs met at a building with people in a routine. They know what's going to happen. And yet we're supposed to be getting our complete dependence from Jesus himself, not from other systems. In fact, we're supposed to be encouraging each other. It's more of a, it's more of a giving. We, we, we come to church sometimes uh, from a place of lack, thinking we need something. No. You don't need anything. You already have all that you need. It's been given to you. Everything you need has been given to you for living a godly life. So maybe there's a whole different reason to be going to church. If you're going to go to church, and you know what I mean by the term going to church. We as individuals are the church. The building is where we meet. In our culture, we say that's going to church. Fine, but just don't make it, don't misunderstand don't forget that you and i are the church so when i'm having coffee with somebody or lunch with somebody that's called doing church if i'm going for a walk with somebody we're doing church if i'm playing golf if i'm watching a movie we're playing pool uh pub night with the guys or whatever um that's doing church that is the communion of the saints all right it doesn't have to look churchy <laughs> so that's something to we'll have to have to do a message on that sometime but we have received all of this by coming to know him. So here's what I think happens. When we get to know Jesus better, when we get to know God the Father better, get to know the Holy Spirit better, we're going to awaken more and more and more. It's not that more is coming to us. We're going to awaken to the reality of what is already there. And then the peace in us is going to lead us. All right? It's pretty cool. I love this. Um, we have received all this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Verse 4. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. Here we go. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Haha, <laughs> these promises. So what do we do with these promises? Well, it tells us in view of, of all this. Here it is. I love this part. You guys got to write this down. This is, this is important, all right? This is one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Well, God's promises can be given to us. You know, we say God, all God's promises are one. They're all ours. Isn't that wonderful? We have everything we need. La, 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 la. Let's, let's just uh, sing Kumbaya. <laughs> That's great. But we're supposed to respond to these promises. And these promises will blow your mind. 
honestly this this is how it works and then i love this next part it says supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence now i looked up the word supplement another way another translation says add to and add to this add to this or increase or enhance it's not supposed to just stay stagnant this is this is incredible so supplement your faith add to the faith that has already been given to us how or what it says um with a generous provision of moral excellence moral excellence yes moral excellence begins with faith in christ it doesn't we don't uh, try to change our moral behavior in order to get to become like christ we let the flow of christ's life flow out of us okay and it looks like moral excellence moral excellence will lead to knowledge i like the another version of new one of the other previous editions of the new living translation uh, New Living Translation says, and moral excellence will lead to knowledge, and knowledge will lead to more self-control. And leads, I like the word lead, lead better. But that's what's going to happen here. We have, there's moral excellence and knowledge, and knowledge with self-control. You're, are you praying for self-control ever? Well, we've got self-control. The self-control is already in us. And instead of saying, Jesus, give me self-control, how about pray, May your self-control that is already in me be exercised out. Show me how to do it because I'm having trouble. Instead of praying, please give me something I haven't, that I haven't got because then you're praying a prayer of lack of uh, something that's absolutely not true. So your words reveal what you're believing. Okay. So sometimes when we change our words to what is true and begin to repeat those, our mind starts to believe that and it's pretty powerful. Uh, patient endurance, uh, self-control will lead to patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. There, there's another translation that says this will lead to having a love for other Christians or other fellow believers. And then you'll have an, a, a genuine love for everyone, which I think we got to zero in on that for just a moment. I know we're supposed to love one another. The Bible says love. <laughs> but when this text says there is a category of loving bro with bro brotherly affection, it's referring to uh, the church, okay? Um, that, that's what I hear. You can hear something else. That's fine. But this whole idea of brotherly affection, but brotherly affection then leads to love for everyone. It's an authentic love for everyone. We might be at the place of, how oh, I can love my brothers and sisters in Christ yeah that's pretty good but i can't stand some of the other people well guess what then you haven't there's much more to grow in you and that's why we led off today with this whole idea of not knowing each other after the flesh that's worth baxter kruger so see yourselves in the trinity see your your neighbors in the trinity the lights in them our lens matters how we see things matters and it says we'll have an affection with love for everyone so if there's somebody you don't love, hmm, guess what? You've got more growing to do. Isn't that exciting? None of us have arrived. Then it continues. The more you grow like this, the more, here it is, productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Then we'll become productive and useful in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The more we grow like this. But those who fail to develop in this way, listen to this. Here's a big one. What about those that aren't believing this? What do we do? But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, 
forgetting. They have been cleansed from their old sin. Well, do you know your, your sins are forgiven? Past, present, future? Absolutely. You, totally forgiven. But it's, you can't live in this freedom if you don't believe that. You have forgotten. And I think there's a very powerful verse here. Verse 9 that says, Those who fail to develop it are short-sighted or blind, forgetting they've been cleansed from their old sins. I like this wording, short-sighted or blind. It does not mean they're bad people. It means they've forgotten. They've been told, but they've quickly forgotten. And it's time to be reminded of that. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you'll never fall away. Wow. Wow. What a powerful verse. Now, let me do a, uh, I'm going to take just a few more minutes, five more minutes. I want to read to you the same text uh, from the Passion Translation. So I'm not going to um, comment on all the way through like I normally do. I just want to read this to you because I think when you hear it through another, from another translation, it's going to hit you a bit differently. Listen to this. Everything we could ever need for life and complete devotion to God has already been deposited in us by His divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing Him who has called us by His name and invited us to come to Him through a glorious manifestation of His goodness. As a result of this, he has given you magnificent promises that you are beyond all price, so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you can experience partnership with the divine nature, by which you have escaped the corrupt desires that are of the world. So, devote yourselves to lavishly supplementing your faith with goodness. And to goodness, add understanding. And to understanding, add the strength of self-control. And to self-control, add patience, endurance. And to patient endurance, add godliness. And to godliness, add mercy towards your brothers and sisters. And to mercy toward others at unending love. Ooh, I love that. Since these virtues are already planted deep within you and you possess them in abundant supply, hint, hint, they will keep you from being inactive or fruitless in your pursuit of knowing Jesus Christ more intimately. But if anyone lacks these things, he's blind constantly closing his eyes to the mysteries of our faith and forgetting his innocence. For his past sins have been washed away. For this reason, beloved ones, be eager to confirm and validate that God has invited you to salvation and claimed you as his own. If you do these things, you'll never stumble. As a result, the kingdom's gates will open wide to you as God choreographs your triumphant entrance into the eternal kingdom um, of our Lord Jesus and the Messiah. The, the translation is just so, so different. Let's wrap up with this. I think that's the last one. Yep. Uh, 
So in closing, I saw this uh, post from Francois this morning and it fits perfectly with what uh, we've just covered today. What a great way to end it on the pinnacle on the mountaintop. I think for most, it is a matter of waking up. The growing up is so spontaneous then. I love the way the father pleads with the other brother in Luke 15. My son, you've always been with me and all that I have is yours. If you remember the story of the prodigal son, by the way, it's mislabeled. It's a story of the loving father. <laughs> and the word prodigal means lavish, ridiculously overspending. So actually, I think the father is the prodigal father who's lavish and ridiculous uh, spending of love and grace. Oh, my goodness. Like, you can really spin that one. But take a look at this. When he, remember, he's going out to the field because he heard his, his the, the other son who stayed home is out in the field hearing about the party. And he's invited in, but he won't come in. So the father goes out to the darkness and is with his son he says i i've all this is yours really what he's saying this is this well translated would say my son you've always been with me and all that i have is yours he is saying this don't you know who you are do you not know your identity both sons were trying to gain an identity one was trying to run from it and then when he came back, he tried to grovel his way back into, into rightness, but he was already right. And the other son had been trying to earn it, but he already had it all along. Same problem. So, <laughs> listen, wake up. Ask God to wake you up. This whole gospel is a, is a waking up to the reconciliation that has already happened while we were still lost while we were blind <laughs> it's crazy how this works so i hope this series has been encouraging to you even if it's not listened to as a series but that's how i can function and, and prepare best i hope each section has been an encouragement you've learned something fresh or been reminded of it because remember that one text in in uh uh, Second Peter it says we can become blind or close our eyes and forget. We can easily forget some core truths. Let's not forget our identity in Christ. All right? Know who you are. See each other in the same way. As you see yourself as loved and beloved, that will turn your heart to see others as loved and beloved. That's how it works. I love it. All right. Thank you so much for uh, joining in today. Uh, in today's uh, message. Um, this has been a fun series. Um, let's do a quick a couple hellos here because uh, a couple people have written on here. I don't want to forget them. Uh, Brian, good morning again. Uh, Pritch, thanks for all your comments. Cecil, hey, good morning, Cecil. I haven't heard from you for a while. Uh, Kit or Cat, there we go. Hello and good morning again. Um, Art, oh, buddy, Art. Yay. Miss you, buddy. And then uh, Rob and Joan, thank you again. <laughs> 